Ephesians 5 and verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. If you've got a King James, I believe it says redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And because of this, therefore, whenever you see therefore, it's just basically saying because of this, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Father, we uh, bring ourselves before you today, and I just I pray that your word would become a lamp and a light for us. Thank you so much for uh, the Abedini family and what you're doing there, and, and for the other persecuted believers who are still in prison. We lift them up before you. We're mindful of that, and at the same time, mindful of, of what you want to do in our lives today. You want to speak to us and be a lamp and a light, and it's in your name that we pray, amen. I, I didn't ask permission, Ryan, but it was on Facebook, so I assume it's public, right? I, as I was reading Ephesians 5 yesterday, uh, can we just have a cute break, by the way? That's MC. She's two? Yeah. Ryan uh, Dunlap and his wife Sarah uh, from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Ryan has been a, a filmmaker and author. He's uh, got a lot done in his 20s. But he posted this last night and it really spoke to me. You know, it was kind of like an Adele song. How does she 25 and she knows what a 45-year-old's thinking. He's 20 or 30 now and knows what a 45-year-old's thinking. But he says, chasing this little one for over an hour through McKay's while we awaited the evaluation of our old books and movies, hammered home a personal epiphany. We passed by shelves upon shelves of previously discarded books and films and albums, all of which took hundreds to thousands of man-hours to create and to market and to get sold. Now most of them are 25 cents, and there are full bins of books that are valued at nothing by the used market sitting outside in the cold. And I spent... Most of my 20s throwing thousands of hours into projects, some of which wind up on these shelves, which might wind up on these shelves, and some of which won't ever reach enough popularity to make it to the used market. And as I chased my laughing daughter through row after row, I felt that being a good father would have more of an impact for good on this world than a piece of entertainment that takes two to ten hours to consume and then to move on from. And yes, I still plan to create. I find it hard not to, honestly, but my 30s are emphasizing that if I make it to a deathbed decades from now, it's not going to be my books and movies that I want surrounding me. It's pretty poignant, Ryan, thank you. Because you really are speaking a truth that all of us need to hear, and that's not that your art isn't a value, it's just a priority of where that stands in the value. Um, I was, you know, Pete, you might appreciate this, but, you know, in my basement, I've got these gold records from the 90s from artists that my kids have never heard of. <laughs> Some of them, you know, we changed their diapers on their tour bus, and my kids don't even know who they are now because times have changed. I can't bring myself to throw them away because it just feels like a part of me, but I, putting them on the wall feels like some sort of self-aggrandizing, I mean, what, you know, for why, you know, so the goats can see them. I mean, I don't know. I live out in the woods, in the country. And I think, man, there's something to be said for that when it comes to the priorities of life, that there's value in, in what we created. There's value in what you create, Ryan. There's value in what you create, Pete. 
And yet on the grand scheme of eternity, that if, I've, if I'm prioritizing that over my children, over my wife, I don't, I'm not going to invite my gold records to my deathbed. Hey, quick, hurry kids, get the gold records. <laughs> You're going to need to dust them. <laughs> Maybe, do they sell those at McKay's? Do they have gold records there? Maybe a, a dollar each. In fairness, I do, by the way, maybe it, the records might not matter that much anymore, but the people still do. I still maintain a lot of those friendships and relationships, and that matters. But I was just, I don't know, I was thinking about that, was, is what Ryan wrote, and, was, and looking at what Paul was saying here in Ephesians, when he says, look carefully. Look, look at how you're walking. In, in Haggai, which we, we started to read in the last couple weeks, he was talking to the people of Israel and how much they had blown it, because it had taken them, 18 years to rebuild, the, to even start, to pick up rebuilding the temple. They'd been there for 18 years and just kept putting it off because they had their other priorities. And he says the same thing that Haggai said to the people. Consider your ways, he said in Haggai chapter 1. He says, look carefully what Jesus said in Matthew 26, 40. Could you not watch with me for one hour? Now, I've been... Used, that's been used to beat us over the head for our whole lives about, can you not pray just for an hour? But that isn't what he said. Actually, he said, can you not watch? Can you not focus on me? for an hour? Like, just focus on my purposes and my plans for just an hour. I'm not even asking for all 24 at this point, just an hour. And he's saying here, look carefully then. Watch, look at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time. That word redeem in the King James is a financial term. When you go to a store and you have a coupon for a free something, you're redeeming it in exchange for that item. And he's saying redeem the time because the days are evil. We live in this fallen world and the days and the hours, and the, they're, they're evil. And so what I'm really doing is I'm exchanging my time for evil time. I'm taking that time and I'm handing it in in exchange for, for good. And it speaks, by the way, not of just chronos, the time, like your time is ticking. I'm pointing to my wrist like I got a watch on. Like time is ticking. <laughs> it's not chronos, that time, that word appears in the New Testament, but that's not what it says. This is kairos, which is opportunity. Redeem the opportunity for the days are evil. And what an opportunity really speaks of is that, that there is an opportunity, the window of opportunity is open, but at the same time, the window of opportunity can also close. At one point, we talked about last week, the, the two older sisters who were interviewed, and they were being asked, they're in their 80s, and most of their friends, all their, their husbands and their children, some of their children had died, and they're kind of living in their, together in this nursing home, and they were... Asking, why don't you just go out and make more friends? You can play shuffleboard or bunko. Or, and they said in this interview, well, we don't have time for that. And you think, we well, live in a senior citizen center. You've got all kinds of time. But what they're saying was, we don't have that much time in our life left. At some point in your life, it's too late to make an old friend, is what they said. That that opportunity has passed. And you parents of children who have grown and are now adults, you know that that window of time was a window of time that opened and it closed. And he says here to make the most of those opportunities, those windows of time in our life 
for the days are evil. The days are evil. They want to steal our children. They want to kill our opportunities. They want to destroy our future. Make the most of those opportunities. And that's what the prophet Haggai was telling the people of Israel. Now is the time to rebuild your temple. You're 18 years in. You're saying it isn't time yet, Haggai 1. But the Lord says it's time now. Now is the time. Now is the window of opportunity to do that. And what is the temple today? Not this. This is just a building that keeps the temple from getting rained on, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 3, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 2 tells us that the temple of the Holy Spirit is us, you and me. And I truly believe that it's time for some of us Some of you are already doing it, but for some of us, we need to get our act together, and it's time to seize the opportunity to rebuild our temples. And we talked for the first week about what that means as far as counting the cost of the the temple, right? They had to figure out how much is this going to cost to do this. And with us in our personal lives in our modern time, what we're saying is that being a good steward of our finances is the way that we get to count the cost this side of heaven. And in the basement right now are... 32 husbands and wives, 16, 17 couples, whatever, and leaders investing in Financial Peace University. It's an opportunity. It's a way to say, what does Jesus say about finances and to rebuild our lives with that? Matthew 7, Jesus said, the he who builds his house on the rock is the guy that just heard my words and did what they said. Really simple. So if the cost of it is counted, then the next thing we got to do is figure out, well, what's the blueprint? for our temple? What's the architectural drawing for our temple? And I think that it comes from time. Our time, and let me tell you why I think that. Because when you're planning out your week, when you're planning out your days and your hours, and your, your calendar isn't so much about what do I got to get done, even though that's what it seems like a lot, right? I got to get this done. I got to get that done. The list happens. My wife loves the lists. She got lists everywhere. Loves lists. Loves checking stuff off of lists. But I wonder if a calendar, if a, a, a planner, so to speak, if your time, hour by hour, isn't so much about what do I got to get done as it is the answer of the question, who do I want to become? Who do I want to become? And if I back into it from that question, who do I want to become? This all of a sudden doesn't become a list of what I've got to get done. This is a script. I am writing out I want to be a better father. And so I'm going to look at this and say, man, I've got a finite amount of time in this day, today, finite amount of time. What am I going to do today to become a better father a year from now? The tyranny is, I feel like I've got to get it all done at once and not remembering that every victory is really just a series of small victories stacked up enough in a row to be that person. And it's so easy to get overwhelmed and think, ah, I can't, I want to be a better father. Well, great. We all do. What do I do? A day at a time, an opportunity. If you go to the book of James, I want to show you that from another perspective, but 
an opportunity for us to become who we want, who God has called us to be. I want to be somebody who seeks first the kingdom of God, right? Like, that's who I want to be. But you can't seek God first in a God last calendar. If, if I'm mapping out my week and just assuming I'm going to get around to that, like, really, how does that work out for you, right? Like, writing it down, who do I want to become, and then pursuing it a day at a time, it helps us to slay this sin of procrastination. Ooh, he said procrastination is a sin. I know it hurt, like it hurt a lot. I didn't want to say it, because now that I've said it, i got to do something about it, right? But what does James tell us here, right? He says that in chapter 4 and verse 13, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is a sin. If you read this at a glance, you might think, well, he's just saying I shouldn't write a calendar then. What am I going to How do I know? I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. Why would I even plan for tomorrow? I don't think that's the idea. He who knows what to do and does it not, it's a sin. What I feel like he's saying here, what I feel like the Spirit is saying through James is, if you know to do it and you say, I'm going to do it tomorrow, and do it someday, which parenthetically, someday is not a day of the week. Like it doesn't even exist. It's not even a thing. If I'm going to do it someday, the sin is of pride because it's saying, I know something God doesn't know. It's saying, God says, you don't, I'm not even promising you tomorrow, so do it today. And you're saying, oh, look, God, I want, I'm going to be here tomorrow. I'm just saying, I know what God doesn't know. I'm going to be here tomorrow. And God's saying, you don't know that. Your life is a mist. So if you know to do it and you're going to put it off till tomorrow, procrastination is a sin. Because it's saying to God, pride, I got this figured out. I have a better idea of how and why to do it. I don't know if you guys have this happen at your house. Probably not. But at our house, this happens. Where our kids, we ask them to do something, and they have a better idea. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brush your teeth, Ethan. Ethan, have you brushed your teeth? No, no, I was going to, but I got, you know, this. and Just ringing out as long as he can, bedtime. Because he had a better idea. And, and I believe that in, in, our, in our heart, that what the Lord is, is saying is, I've, I ask you to do this. You don't, don't have a better idea. Obedience is just do it. And it doesn't mean you're going to get it all done at once, right? But putting it off till tomorrow presumes that you're going to get it Tomorrow. whether it's creating music or it's being a better father or whether it's becoming a better financial steward. or 
by putting it down and writing it down and saying, this is who I want to become. I get to back out of that now and say, not to pick on Pete again, but when Pete makes a record, there's a time-consuming process. Picking songs and working the songs and figuring out who the musicians are going to be. And then, but if he, if he tries to do it all in a day, it'll never happen. But it's this process, this journey that we're on of creating this product for creating. And for us to create who we are day by day, we get to say, I'm not going to say to the Lord now, I know better than you. I'm going to get around to that. I'm just going to say, look, I want to be a better husband, which I do. And some days I do better than others, but why would I not have a space in my calendar every day that moves towards that? Why wouldn't I write that into my script, right? Like, and the answer is, of course, well, I think I'm going to get to it. The answer is, well, I'll get around to it. The answer for the people of Israel was not, no, God, I, we don't want to rebuild the temple. The answer for Israel was not yet. Not yet. And not yet today turned into tomorrow, and not yet tomorrow turned into the next day, and then it was one year and two, and 18 years had passed, and Israel still was in this city with a temple that was undone. And I look at that, and I thought, oh man, that's totally, that's me. And I can't go back and get those years back, but I can start today to be a steward of the opportunities that God puts in front of me today. Not tomorrow, but today. And I would ask you in your minds and in your hearts to, to write down these, what is it that God told me to do? I mean, I look around this room and I know in this room there's so much potential. There's so much of what God has asked us to do that we haven't got around to it yet because we're waiting for the time to be right and I truly believe that just like the Lord said to Haggai to tell the people, you say it's not time, and I'm telling you, it's time. Your opportunity is today. You can't go back and get back those years, but you can start today and move forward. Do you want to be a better father? Do you want to have a better marriage? Some of you, in your marriage, it's, you're hanging on by a thread right now. And you were going to get around to it. This is going to just work itself out. Like, I'll get to it. If I ignore this, it won't. <laughs> How does that work, right? I'll just ignore that. That'll eventually go away. But what if you put into your, your script, what if God is writing on your heart and on your mind to write on this piece of paper, hey, I've been married 15 years, what if I just give myself 15 sessions with a marriage counselor? Is that asking too much to write, to change my life with one word on a piece of paper? What if it's, I want to be a better steward of the finances God has given me. I, have, I feel like Haggai want. I'm making money in pockets with holes in them. Three words on your calendar for nine weeks. Too much. University. Sure, there are other ways to get your finances in order, but hey, that's a great way and it happens to be right here and we happen to be able to get it to you for half off and you could start tomorrow night or you could start Wednesday night or you could pick up next Sunday. You, there's still time to, to sign up for that. Just, just write it in your calendar and say, for these nine weeks, I'm going to do this and by this time next year, who I want to become is someone who's leaving an inheritance for my children. I, I'm, I'm in a better spot than I was because I took the time 
to start now. I want to I want to be someone who knows the Lord. I want to seek first the kingdom of God. And I'm looking on the calendar and I'm like I have no time scheduled for that. I guess I figured that would just figured out. I guess and maybe that was the tyranny for me. I mean, you know, Mo was in the music world and David was there and I would write the big ticket stuff down like the the plane tickets or I'd write the uh the the, the shows, but I just I figured I'd remember the rest of it with it. I mean, it works kind of, but when I get to sit down, like this morning, I was praying about today, and I was even thinking about my week, and I'm writing down, I'm realizing, I need to pray, what, are the, what does the Lord want me to do this week? Who does he want me to become, and what do I do, even 15 minutes here, or five minutes there, or a half hour, what, what does he want me to become, and then what steps am I going to take, knowing that this window of opportunity for some of these things, that it will be too late at some point. The kairos, the opportunity, the window could close. And I would ask you this morning to, in your minds and your hearts right now, and if you need to check out and write it down right where you're sitting, go ahead. But ask yourself, what is it that the Lord has asked you to do? What is it that he wants you to do? If you're a teenager, you're like, I don't know, I just want to go to school, I want to play football. What is, so the Lord wants you in football. What, what does he want you to do now to be a part of that team, to use your influence, which we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks, the, the stewarding your influence on your football team? And the way that Jason uses his influence in the redneck community, the duck hunters, what, what time can you give to using that influence to that? Is it in the lunchroom at school if you're a teenager? Some of you guys are part of the homeschool community. Is there a kid that just, you just know he's being ostracized and marginalized? And maybe you know that she's having a hard time at home. And maybe the Lord is saying to you today, man, go reach out to that person. It's that, it doesn't have to be some grandiose ethereal thing. What about today? And for me right now, I'm not saying everybody has to do it this way. I've... I don't, this is new to me, doing it in a handwritten calendar. I'm finding some benefits from it, by the way, some of which are that I don't have email on this. Like, you can't text me on this. So I'm not getting distracted by the little ding noises. Like, I can put that away and just look at this and say, God, what do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to become next year? And then what do I do today to become part of that? Ask yourself that question. Who do I want to become what has God called me to do, called me to be, and what can I do today to get started down that road? Repent of the pride that says that I'm going to be around next year to take care of this. Repent of the pride that says I'll be here tomorrow to take care of this. And this afternoon, this evening, what is it that the Lord is saying for you to do today? And then I would say, do what the Lord told Habakkuk. Habakkuk, depending on how you pronounce it. Habakkuk 2, write the vision down. Make it simple and make it clear so that even if someone's running by, if you're running by, you can still see it and still know it, that that's what God has called me to do. And today and tomorrow. I mean, Benny, you guys just made this movie. It didn't happen in one day. This was years of thinking and years of dreaming and then planning and making decisions. And you're not even done yet. But you broke it up, not all in one giant thing, but a little piece at a time. And I'm looking around. I mean, I know there's so much in every one of you that God wants you to do. God wants you to be. Don't let the tyranny of trying to do it all at once strangle you. But just start today with what's right in 
what's right in front of you. When I'm writing this stuff out, I'm going to tell you this. It means I'm living by design and it's not by default. By default was this stuff will just figure it out. But I'm saying, God, I'm des- this God designing it inside of me. And you know what it means and what it is going to mean more and more and more is I'm having to prioritize what's important to me. Because there's a lot of good things, but if there's 20 good things and I've only got an hour, I have to decide and pray and seek the Lord for what is truly important. And what that really means is shedding off that thing that is weighing me down. Hebrews 12, throw off those things that so easily beset you so that you can run this race. This week when we went into the swamp, four in the morning, Jason told us, don't, he's like, don't, you don't want to wear this. Every morning it was like, he's like my wife, he's laying out my clothes and the wardrobe and it all matched because it was camo, but you don't want to wear this or this because we're going to be walking and you're going to be so hot by the time you get there. And I'm telling you what, when he said that, I'm thinking, oh no, this cold outside, this is freezing. But I, I did something that I don't do often. I listened. And so we walked in there, what I, what I thought was going to be cold, but man, by the time we got to the middle of these woods, two-mile walk, whatever, 20 miles, however it was, one point, yeah, 1.2. Um, I actually felt pretty good. But there was another guy on the hunt who was having a hard time with it. At one point, we were like, there's a man down. It's like Black Hawk down, but you know, like with a, with a duck hunter. Duck hunter down. And this dude was dressed like he was going into like the Arctic North. And he wouldn't take the coat off. Jason offered him many times, hey man, let me get that for you. Let me, let me do this. Are you okay here? Oh no, I'm fine. He's from Kansas. I, he's like my people. I know this. Like my dad would have rather died in the swamp than let someone help him carry his coat. Like there's no way he's going to do that. I'm fine. I'm good. At one point, we're like, he said, like, look, if I... Somehow it came up, if we die here, we're going to name this duck hole after you. And he's like, well, that's probably the only way I'm going to get anything named after me, so he's okay with that. And, but at one point, coming out of the swamp, the guy is literally going to die. Like, it's like, this is bad. And there's that moment of thinking, I don't even know how that works. Like, I, do you drag him out? Do you get a helicopter, drop a rope? I don't know. But at that point, he finally gave his coat to Jason. And in that coat was every shotgun shell apparently the guy ever owned. The coat itself was heavy. Like, it was so heavy. He had beset himself with all this unnecessary stuff that only served to weigh him down, slow him down, and almost kill him because he was too prideful to shed it off of him. And Hebrews 12 tells us, take that stuff that's so easily besetting you and throw it off so that you can run this race. Because it was a hard walk, no question about it. Life is hard, no question about it. But if you're carrying unnecessary weight, if you're carrying stuff that you don't need, if you're doing things that you don't need to be doing and losing out on things that you ought to be doing, you can die in that swamp. And Jesus will love you just the same. We loved him just the same. It was just saying it doesn't have to be that hard. It just doesn't. And in our society, in our country, in our city, 
There are way more things to do, way more opportunities than we actually have time for. And so for us, our act of worship, our act of sacrifice is looking at things, sometimes good things, and saying, that's not essential for what God has called me to do. Living by design and not by default. Not assuming I'm going to get tomorrow. Starting today throwing off those things that are distracting me and doing what I think we ought to do every day, which is what the people of Israel did in Haggai chapter one. Where did they go to get the supplies? They climbed up a mountain and at the top of that mountain was where the timber was and that's what they brought back down. And when I'm going to redesign my life, rebuild my fixer upper temple, the first place I go is to a mountain where there was wood, it was a cross and to use that as the foundation, as the walls, as the basis of everything that I'm doing in my priorities starts and ends with the cross and the finished work of what Jesus did there. As we leave today, I can't emphasize enough the importance of starting. Don't wait till it starts raining to start building the ark. (laughs) Your opportunities, there are opportunities in this life that it will be too late one day. Slay the demon, slay the sin of procrastination in your life. Repent of the pride. And all repent means, I'm just changing my mind about that. I'm gonna do it differently. That's what repent means. Repent of that today. And as an act of worship every day from here on out, saying, I, I, th- I thought it wasn't time, I was going to be ready. And God was saying, oh no, you're ready now. Start now. Start writing that book. Start pursuing that friendship. Start digging in on your finances. Whatever the Lord wants you, who do you want to become? Who is God calling you to become? Start that today. Does this make sense? Redeem your time today. The day is evil, but you can redeem it a minute at a time, an hour at a time. You can redeem it, exchange it for something good. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Charles Swindoll said, we're all faced with a series of great opportunities brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. Mike Coop, my friend who founded Place of Hope, says that, you ask him how he's doing, oh, I'm awesome, I'm just... Faced with insurmountable opportunity. (laughs) I'm facing insurmountable opportunity. This is every day. Today we're faced with impossible situations that are just disguises for what God has as our opportunities. Father, would you give us wisdom and insight into that? Lord, help us to focus on what we're gaining and not the pain of pursuing it. Help us to focus on the big picture, on the eternity. Help us to focus on the idea that I am investing this time, not wasting it, not squandering it, not killing it, but I am investing these hours, redeeming the time that you've given us. I'm sorry for the pride, Lord, that I have had. And I know that many in here are as well, that we're repenting of that and turning around and going a different direction You didn't promise us tomorrow, just today. Lord, forgive us for asking you to keep a promise that you never made. Today, Lord, today, we seek first your kingdom today.
it's in your name uh, that we pray in the nature of who you are, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.